Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, It's This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody to Lightning Round Podcast. And today for our interview series, we have a very special guest. Uh, you might recognize him for his cameo on Entourage, uh, competitor on American Ninja Warrior. Uh, you might know him for his MMA organization, Lights Out Extreme Fighting. Or perhaps you might just know him as the Chargers legend, Sean Merriman. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I know you still follow the team. I'm just curious what your your takeaways are, your impressions are of Brandon Staley halfway through his first year as a Chargers head coach. You know, um, he's he's a great leader, man. I, I just it's it always it almost seems like he he finds a way to say the right thing, right? Uh at the right time, about the right situation, the topic. Um, and there's no question about it that the team has bought into, you know, what, what they're selling. I mean, it's, it's no doubt about that. I think at this point, um, you know, and I, and I kind of share the sentiments that of, of what Keenan Allen came out and said at his press conference. They just need to stop shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, they get that taken care of, and, and there's no stopping this team. They have more weapons than anybody in the National Football League, especially on the offense side of the ball. Um and it's going to be important that they, you know, do that starting now because they still have an opportunity to win a division and, and, and further themselves into the playoffs. 
So you mentioned shooting themselves in the foot. I'm just going to spin off of that real quick. Um, we've all seen them do it for years and years and years. So is this a coaching issue? Is this a old habits die hard kind of issue? What can they do to get out of that kind of run of shooting themselves in the foot? You know what? When, when guys, when there's a bunch of penalties and guys are doing the same thing over and over again, I think that um, you have, they don't understand the opportunity that they have. And sometimes when that pass you up, you look back on them saying, damn, you know, that was that was dumb. Or we we need to, you know, change that part of it because we had a real opportunity to be a great team. Uh that's some of the and I still say that back in the mid 2000s the teams we had, when we had dumb penalties and we were making mistakes. And I'm like, we lost that game because of that. You know, and, and you look at the situation or the reason. Um, and so that's what I think they need to understand. They have a superstar in Justin Herbert, they have, you know, two and three. Uh, one of the one of the most explosive guys on offense and Kenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, and Nicholas playing great and, and and Justin, you know, they they have a, a squad there and they need to realize and understand the, the moment um and not let them pass us by by dumb penalties and shoot themselves in the foot. If you were a coach on the team and you were trying to think of adjustments that you can make either offensively or defensively to help bring them out of this two-game rut and help them stop shooting themselves in the foot. What kind of adjustments would you make if you were in that coaching room? You, you know, um, and I don't know exactly what they're doing in the building or team meetings or individual meetings, but you have to put emphasis on, okay, we don't get these two penalties. We win this game, right? You have to emphasize what, how those penalties and those mistakes hurt you, hurt the team. And so you do that. Um, and one thing I, I think that I've seen Brandon, Brandon Staley and, and Eckler and some of the guys talk about is how they go over both offense and defense as a team. So now everybody's held accountable, right? So you're seeing what the offense do wrong or right. You're seeing what the defense doing, you know, right or wrong. And so everyone's held accountable to these penalties because ultimately it hurts the team, right? And uh, I would just go for it. I will put emphasis on that because, you know, they no way they should they shouldn't have lost against the you know Cowboys. They shouldn't have lost against the Patriots. You know, Ravens they they got beat, and that's that's what happened. I was just curious. I know I did some, obviously I did some research on you leading into the interview today. And I know you had a special relationship with your high school coach, JC Pinkney. And we all have people who kind of inspire us and help us become the people we are as we're growing up, even outside of our immediate family. So I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about coach Pinkney, your relationship with him in the past and present and how he helped shape the man you are today. He was so uh, instrumental to my life in general. Um, you know, when I was a kid, we lost, uh, my, we couldn't afford to pay uh, the light bill, electricity and and, um, and gas. So they turned our lights off and um, we, we had lit a candle in the house. My mom did and we lost our home. And so we were homeless for some time and JC Pickney actually took me in. Um, and, you know, that was the first time because we grew up rough that I actually experienced like having you know, a normal, a decent childhood because of all the things he provided. Um, you know, he didn't know I was good, good in high school, but no one knew that I was going to, you know, go to D1 college at that time or, or, or play professional, you know, playing the NFL. That wasn't even on the table. He's a kid who loves football. Um, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of good kids in 20 years here at Douglas. And, you know, I've never had anybody that had such a passion for the game that Sean was. So when he did that, uh, it, it literally changed my life. And that's why I've always been... You know, I've you know donated six figures back to my high school and made sure they had new jerseys, uniforms, equipment every single year. Um, and, in and, and you know, fortunately enough, 
that I was the first Division One player to come out of my high school. And then every year we started to have one guys, two guys, three guys enrolling. So um, to even be involved in putting them on the map, it's really a, a credit to uh, to J.C. Pigney for sure. Sean can achieve whatever he wants. Um, he can play for many years to come. And he has a passion and he has the ability. He stays healthy and he can set any goal and reach. One, two, three, And just kind of going off of high school, you know, uh, we we know uh, for those that maybe forgot or don't remember the lights out nickname and what happened. Can you just talk to us about the nickname, how you turned it, how it progressed into a celebration? And then now, I mean, it's your brand, it's your livelihood now. So just talk to us about that lights out. My sophomore year, um, I had knocked out four, four kids in one game. And so after that game, I had about 20 students come running up to me and they said, man, you knocked those guys lights out. And I kind of turned to him, not knowing that it was going to be a big deal. And I said, yeah, you know, call me lights out. I went to school that Monday and everyone was, you know, kind of walking past me saying, hey, what's up, lights? Hey, what's up, lights? I went to go and convince my mom to uh, let me get this uh, tattoo on my right forearm of a light switch in the hand, turn the light switch off. And she told me no for about two weeks and she no, finally caved in. Uh, coincidentally, I spent $56, $56 on that tattoo uh, that still is on my is on my forum to this day actually sean is a really sweet child he's a really nice kid at home he becomes a monster of a kid. so your mom kind of pushed back for two weeks what what made her cave in i'm, I'm persistent man if I, <laughs> if I want something i'm gonna, I'm gonna get it i'll i'll sit at your doorstep i'll show up and I'll, you know i'll get it done yeah so then so right after high school great career at maryland but then i want to talk about the draft process because you thought you might have gone before the chargers picked at number 12. can you talk to me about that whole draft process and where you thought you were going to go yeah um initially i thought i was going to go three to cleveland six to i think it was minnesota what uh six or seven to minnesota whatever pick they had that year because mike tice who went to the university of maryland was was the head coach there the Reds, the well, Washington football team now, uh, they had the ninth or 10th pick. I went on a visit there. And then Dallas, um, you know, I went, I thought I was going to go there as well because, you know, Jerry Jones and uh, Bill Parcells had told me that they were going to draft me if, if I still was around. 11th pick. But also, when I went and met with the uh, with the Chargers, uh, they told me that they were going to draft me at 12 too. With the uh, 12th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the San Diego Chargers select Sean Merriman, linebacker, Maryland. Merriman got the call from the Chargers at his Maryland home a little before noon Pacific time. He's on his way to San Diego as we speak. An extremely competitive young man uh, that we'll uh, put in a location where he can um, uh, get after the quarterback. He has played both linebacker as well as uh, with his hand on the ground rushing uh, the quarterback. And uh, that versatility, quite frankly, was one of the, the factors that uh, was a part of our decision to select him. So did you, throughout your whole career, did you, you know, have a, a thing out for Minnesota, Dallas, Washington at that point? You always held on to that? No, I, I hated no? everybody who had an opposite color jersey on, to be honest. <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> you know, I didn't have a, uh, I wasn't vindictive against one team. But I, I do remember the cool thing was it, it, they came out with the, when they had the redraft process and then I was number one. I, th I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So you get drafted. Now you're going into your first camp. And uh, talk to me about that first practice because I think you went up against the neck roll, low kneel. 
And I, if I'm not mistaken, it was an open practice. There were people there, right? They were watching. Oh yeah, it was the first. It was my first practice, and we when we had pads, equipment, and uh, the fans were out there, and I had no idea that my first day of practice was going to be fan day. Um, and I go one on one drills against Low Neal, and not knowing that I was supposed to go around him in, in a kind of a pass rush drill, I was just so eager to hit somebody from all the things that were said about me not being there. And it just so happened to be Low Neal, so I put put Low Neal down, ran you know ran him over. But let me tell you, that was probably one of my biggest mistakes I've made as a rookie. Probably, maybe in my life, I don't know. Because <laughs> when I went when I went back up, uh, not thinking that this was you know the best fullback of all time, Lorenzo Neal, that he was going to line back. He pushed another running back who was there to go against me. He pushed him out the way and he went back up. My turn. And I, 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 I'm still to this day, I have not been rocked like that practice or game. And uh, I said, man, this is uh, okay. I, I won't make this mistake again. This is a this is a rookie mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you about another teammate of yours, Sean Phillips, who recently said that his bowling celebration was a top ten celebration. Do you think that's top ten? I think so. I think um, you know, SP was SP was great, man, and and you know, he never really got the credit because he was just kind of consistent, right? He just had a consistent career. But man, we had a squad. Sean Phillips and Sean Merriman had career years against opposing quarterbacks, helping their team compile an NFL best 61 sacks. On most teams, the defense has to be the guys brought there and set the tempo of that game. When you have guys, you know, like Sean Phillips and Stephen Cooper, Matt Wilhelm, whenever you have that depth that we have, you know, helps me out in what I do, and that's run and just, you know, fly around to the football. It is Merriman jackknifing in there. Lights out. He got it. Now, I remember Luis Castillo. He was doing, you know, the the uh, the salsa dance. And um, uh, Stephen Cooper had the, the head bob. And, I mean, it was, you know, it was a fun time, man, because at that, at that time, we were just kicking everybody ass, and we were having fun doing it. Yeah. And LT had his uh, LT, celebration. Yeah. I yep. mean, did you talk to guys like Gates and... Vincent Jackson and go like, hey man, we all got something. Why aren't you doing anything? It was it, no one planned it, right? Uh-huh. Like no one planned it. It was kind of a, a spirit of the moment type of type of deal. Around that time, it, it was almost like who can get to the quarterback the fastest, who can score the most touchdowns, who can get the most sacks. It was almost like we were in such a competition with each other because we were. It was so many big names and superstars on one team, and so it was like, okay, who's going to ha- go out and have the biggest game? That's what it was week in week out. Yeah, so and uh, while I was talking about Cooper, uh, heard about Ronaldo. You got any stories that you could tell us here on the podcast about <laughs> Ronaldo and the club, how he got that nickname? Yeah, uh, Stephen Cooper's alter ego was was Ronaldo. Ronaldo was the fun guy. Like he was, you know, he'd walk in a, cl- he'd walk in a club or we'd go out somewhere and he's kind of just, you know, chill. Stephen Cooper is not really talking a whole lot. Uh, then we start having a little fun. Then Ronaldo... You know, comes out and is just to dance. You know, he'll dance and dance around somebody, and he'll dance for hours. And then I'll give you this one. The third one was Chauncey. Now Chauncey, when Chauncey came out, that was the one who wanted to tackle you and play rough and stuff like that. So we, you had Stephen Cooper, uh, Ronaldo, and then Chauncey. If one of those came out, it was it was on. <laughs> so kind of jumping ahead a little bit to your post playing career, uh, doing some research again, I came across stories of your. Short time with WWE. 
and I read about Dusty Rhodes calling you out during promo class. Yeah. And I can't I can't think of a better thing for a podcast than for you to hopefully, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little taste of your lights out promo that you floored Dusty with. American Dream. Yeah, so I was um I was going I was down at the facility in, in Orlando uh with WWE and I was doing my had a workout, um, which went great. And so after the workout, they have every week they got their they cut their promos in front of the whole group. And so I'm I'm in the back and with my publicist, uh Denise White, and we're kind of just chilling. And I'm two hours in, I'm ready to go now because I've seen everybody cut their promo. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is great. And there was a lot of guys who were in NXT at the time that's now in the WWE. And as I'm about to get up and I'm about to take off, and so Dusty Rose, who handles the um uh, kind of the promo cutting and, and dealing with the with the talent. He said, I guarantee you didn't think I was going to do this, but 56, bring your ass on up here. <laughs> and I'm looking around, you know, like, hold on. I, did, I, I didn't even have any practice yet. We didn't even go over anything. So I had until that back of the room and to the front of the room to figure out how I was going to cut my promo. And um, I did it just kind of off the whim. And, you know, he, uh, him and Regal and um, Billy Gunn was also my in-ring coach. I'm a nice man. They all came up to me and said it was one of the best promos they, they've seen from a rookie in a long time. That was awesome, man, because I, I grew up, um, you know, kind of a big fan of, you know, Dusty Rose, man, and, and that, you know, Regal and, and, and all those Billy Gunn. I mean, it was, it was great, man. And uh, I got a chance to sit after everything was done, I sat, me and Dusty Rose, we sat in the office, his office, for three hours, and we just talked football for three hours. And when I tell you he loved he loved football, man, it's it was next level. His knowledge of the game in general. Do you remember the promo at all? Uh, yeah, you know, look, I went old school, you know, WWE just kind of ripping on everybody, you know, doing our best talk crap, because I could do that with the best of them. Booker T. That's my name. <laughs> now, I know you are known for being one of the best athletes in your sport. I could dig it. But that's only because the WWE never had me in it. But Booker T, if you keep running your mouth, it's going to be lights out. You know, obviously growing up in a fan and now you're in that position too, to be in there. And I think that at that after that point, I was hosting like on the WWE Network. I did some Monday Night Raws, some Smackdowns. And like those are all, and I, I hosted the uh, WrestleMania, which was you talking about me feeling like 11, 12 year old kid again, just being around that at the time, it was great. So moving forward, I was just curious. Um, I know you're, you've got your own M um, MMA promotion now. Just curious, you're in year two. I think you just had your fifth event on Saturday, right? Uh, six. So, six. Sixth. Yep. Awesome. So how is Lights Out Extreme Fighting going in year two? What were some of your, you know, your growing pains, your learning curves as a promoter? And how do you think you're growing as a promoter two years in? Well, you know, first and foremost, we, uh, you know, on the six, we had it at, uh, in Burbank, sold out. It was outstanding. Uh, we had a probably one of the best cards that, that we've had since the existence of, of, of Lights Out, Extreme Fighting. And uh, we're on Fubo Sports. They uh, they pl start playing the replays on Fubo for anybody that misses them on Saturday. 
I think the hardest part in being in this position was the pandemic. The pandemic really um, set everything back, right? Because we had no idea on how long that thing was going to last. Initially, I think we all thought the pandemic was going to be a month, two months maybe, and it turned out to be a year plus. And we got shut down during the weigh-ins. So we, you know, we're setting up, you fly the fighters in and everybody's ready to go. And you walk in and you get shut down in the weigh-ins and you're trying to figure out, you know, what's what's next? How long is this thing going to go? But also to the fighters who couldn't train or fight and do what they did, you know, do what they love doing for a living. You, you really found out if you wanted to do it or not. Because sitting around that long and you got a TV deal and you're on TV and you don't know what's going to happen or whether you can have fans back. I think that was the hardest time being on this side. We always like to end with a uh, good story. There's nothing better than a good story. So can you give us kind of your uh, favorite story from your career, maybe a career highlight, something that just always sticks out to you? Yeah, I, I would I would say, and I, and I tell my son this story. So when I was injured and I was, and I was hurt and I was out, when I came back and I started to get kind of healthy again, uh, LT had told me if I ever got, um, if I ever got three or four sacks in one game, that he would literally run in the middle of the field and dance in the middle of the field, right? <laughs> and so we're playing the Raiders. Um, and I think this was in 2009 or 10, I can't remember the year. Playing the Raiders. Tonight we will see LaDainian Tomlinson as the stars are out. LT, the back of his generation. His quarterback is number 17, statistically the best in football a year ago. I look up and I got two sacks at this time. Right, two plays later, Russell is sacked again by Sean Merriman. I just look like I'm, I'm going to get a third right now. And I look up and we're on, the, we're on the field. They're about to snap the ball. And I look up and LT is like halfway in the middle of the field. And he's like, you know, dancing, like spinning around dancing. And I would, I've never laughed so hard before in my life. And I, and I don't laugh or smile too much during the game or anything. I'm just kind of locked in. Uh-huh. And I looked up and I'm wearing a shield. And I'm laughing so hard that the tears are pouring out of my shield, so I can't even see the next play because <laughs> I'm laughing so hard. And I'm trying to lift my jersey up to to wipe my shield off because I can't see. Uh, so that that was that was great, man. I still tell my son that story, and I got the picture somewhere, and L's L's uh, halfway on the field. So I thought always that was that was a pretty cool story. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, before we go, if there's anything you uh, want to promote now, give your uh, socials, anything else, just yeah, anything just, you want to leave. follow me at, at Sean Merriman. And also, too, uh, follow at Lights Out XF on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we have our next fight in December at the Commerce Casino um, on live on Football Sports. And check out those replays on Football Sports, too. They have all our, you know, all six fights there, so you can always check those out. Anything lights out XF, we're going to support. So thank you so much, Sean. We appreciate you. Uh, Thanks for coming on, man. You got it, man. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Sean. It was fun.